This show is made possible by HalloweenPartyDeals.com, where you get expert picks on everything from costumes for you, your kids, and your pets, to graveyard props and professional special effects makeup. Remember, HalloweenPartyDeals.com when you're planning Halloween. That's HalloweenPartyDeals.com. Spirits and More Radio. Like touch my shoulder, touch my hair. Starts now. And I said, what the hell is that? Spirits and more radio starts now. Welcome to the 12th show where we explore Psych Ward Camarillo. Turn down the lights if you dare. Spirits and more radio. And uh, of all the shows we've done, this show is downright frightening. Uh, If you experience anything you hear on this show or have a paranormal experience, you can call it into our hotline at 872-2-GHOSTS or record it an email at, uh, and you can email that to me at editor at spiritsandmoreradio.com. Visit our website at spiritsandmoreradio.com, and there's a chat room in there, links, and you can reach the on-demand for all of our past shows. I'd like to thank our newest Patreon Full Access members, Justin Ponzi, Karina Fenton, and John Fontenot for supporting the show. They get first access to the show after it records on-demand. And also access to the entire show. So if you're enjoying Spirits and More Radio, join today and get all the benefits of full access. On this show, uh, we're going to be joined by filmmaker Wayne Poe, who produced the film Hotel Camarillo, which explores the now-closed Camarillo State Mental Hospital hauntings. Um, You know, I just want to set the tone. Uh, Most haunted places that we have on this show and that people hear about of hauntings uh, are places where there's terror and torture and pain inflicted are some of the most active places. And uh, according to some firsthand accounts, some, probably not all, experienced nothing less than hell on earth when they checked into Camarillo Mental Hospital. Um, I think for us to really understand What is behind the hauntings in this place? We really need to understand what sort of tragedies went on at Camarillo. Um, So I'd like to read to you a firsthand account from a musician who was brought to the hospital by the police for being intoxicated in public. Um, If you can, take yourself in your mind to a dark night and feel what Bobby Jameson, the musician, experienced at Camarillo. Once inside, I'm cut off from the rest of humanity. On entering this surreal world, I'm struck by the grotesque feeling of desperation and terror that clings to every surface. The history of this place and its past horrors scream out from the walls, begging for mercy that never comes. 
It takes no intelligence to recognize that this is purely a part of hell on earth. The sheer darkness and rabid spirit that nests here would be apparent to a dead man. Bodies wander amos aimlessly up and down the long dark corridors until they literally run out of space. They bounce like Camerons off the walls and dead ends, only to return again to their endless wandering. The staff regards most of these as less than human and treats them like animals. I watch as men with large leather belts around their waists and their wrists, chained and buckled to those belts, stumble forward like lost zombies in a perpetual state of slow motion. Within minutes, the smell begins to turn my stomach as the stench of urine, feces, and vomit hang in the air. I stand in awe of the wretched scene before me, realizing that I too am an inmate in hell. I awake with a jolt to the sound of a loud electric buzzer screeching through the dim gray morning. I feel lost and afraid. I'm quickly engulfed in a murky sense of dread. Something is different, I think to myself. Something is terribly wrong. I'm not able to collect my thoughts as I normally do. They're jumbled and erratic inside my head. The drugs, I think. What did they give me? Antipsychotic medications such as Haddol can cause psychosis in a person who is not psychotic in the first place. In Camarillo, that's what was happening to me. A doctor or doctors had decided on some basis that I should be placed on antipsychotic medication, which was quickly causing me to become psychotic. The more I was given, the worse I got. When I say worse, I mean paranoid, beginning to hear things, unable to finish sentences, terror, and the growing inability to keep track of my thoughts. I would start in on an idea and then forget what I'd been thinking in the first place. I knew it was the medication and attempted to refuse taking it. I struggled with my words saying, I don't want it. I labored to repeat myself, no, I do not want it. And you can read all of Bobby's accounts on his Blogspot website, which is linked on our page show. Just incredible, really. Uh, you know, it wasn't just the patients that expressed the horror at Camarillo. There was a nurse named Nadine Scala, and she unleashed a, a fury of controversy with her book that was so terrorizing, it's really hard to read. It's called Keeper of the Keys, if you want to check it out, it is online. But she describes exactly what happened to you when you would arrive at the institution or hospital or whatever you want to call it. Um, she said upon your arrival, you'd be stripped of your belongings and given a dose of what the staff called number one, which was a cocktail of medications everyone would be forced to take, of sedatives and things like that. Um, once you were in a daze and of sedation, um, 
and your time continued there, more experimental drugs would be given and uh, often leaving you confused and short of memory, never comfortable, uh, causing you to sit, stand, pace, walk, and repeat over and over. Um, it was in that prolonged condition that a ward of the state would arrive at 90 days and ask you your name, where you were, and then present you with a document and encourage you to sign it. Essentially, the document was saying that you agree to go into the hospital's treatment program, and uh, patients were told they would get out sooner if they signed the paper, so most did, according to Nurse Scullah. But she says that by signing that document would lead to possibly the indefinite detention of you and that you may never be released from Camarillo. Absolutely unbelievable, you guys. Crazy what was going on in uh, these institutions in the 50s, 60s. And that was Nurse Scullah's uh, book came out in the mid-70s. So even as the mid-70s. Uh, things were going on like that. So it's no wonder that this place has a ton of hauntings and spirits and restless spirits. Um, we've got Wayne Poe with us today. He's the producer of a film, Hotel Camarillo. Wayne, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, um, Wayne, you, you heard all that. Um, you, you've been to Camarillo to do your film, but uh, what sort of things did you come across in your research that were as disturbing as what I just presented to the audience? Yeah, I read uh, I read Keeper of the Keys, and I'm not sure if that led to some of the investigations uh, around the 70, mid 70s uh, about the abuses there. And but it seemed it seemed like it did because it it started uh, talking about um, governor visits. For instance, Ronald Reagan visited uh, Camarillo State Hospital, and uh, I believe in uh, Nadine Scola's book, uh, she said they took him to the, the cleaned-up wards and where the patients had proper clothing and everything else and basically laughed behind his back when he left. And also, um, just uh, just reading some of the articles from that time, for instance, there was uh, uh, a guy named Thomas Riddle who who uh, committed himself for a drug and alcohol detox. And uh, within two hours, he was dead. Wow. <laughs> Found dead, shackled, at, shackled uh, to a bed in the isolation, one of the isolation rooms. Yeah, and, uh, and you know, is, and, and what I read was that um, some of the doctors that were there at the facility had um, sort of a unorthodox past, the psychiatrist, uh, one in particular was involved with a CIA program. Is that right? That, uh, did mind control experimentation on people. There's a lot of rumors. I can't really, I've looked and I can't really confirm that with any, with any, any factual evidence, but there's a lot of rumors about stuff like that. Yes. Right. They actually, um, well, it was mentioned a couple of the names that, uh, that that guy was involved with. But um, it's interesting, and people should know that Camarillo closed down as a hospital, a state hospital, in 1997, but it originally opened in 1931. 
uh, to solve a crisis of overcrowding throughout the state of California's smaller institutions where uh, people who had mental problems were being essentially warehoused for their life. They were considered uh, that they couldn't function in society and their families couldn't take care of them. So they were institutionalized in these places. And Camarillo was uh, an answer to the overcrowding. Uh, can you tell the audience uh, maybe what you know about the place and how many people were kept there uh, in Camarillo over the years? I don't have all those specific uh, uh, numbers, but um, I, it, it was, uh, I think it opened in 1931 and uh, just had, it just had thousands of people. It was like its own city. They had a, their own farm. Uh, the patients uh, took care of uh, uh, crops and, uh, you know, farm animals. And uh, it, was, it was just like a, a miniature city and, there were thousands of uh, patients there. Yeah, over, I think over uh, seventeen hundred acres. Yeah, I think at one point they said in the peak in the fifties they had over seven thousand people there at one point in time, uh, which yeah. really led to the uh, understaffing and things like that. And a lot of the, it seems like what stems from this systemic sort of abuse that happened to people at Camarillo was that Camarillo, uh, the people in charge of Camarillo, basically uh, put out ads and would take anyone who would come to work there because it was difficult work to work with these people with these mental challenges, and so it was hard to keep people. So they would uh, bring you in as a psych technician and teach anybody, let anybody uh, start working there. And I think what right, Nurse Scala yeah. really talks about is that, you know, there was this 20 or 30 years of these people, uneducated people that just sort of had been battered up uh, emotionally from the job. And, you know, some of the more sadistic people sort of ro rose to the top. And uh, there was a culture there that even if you were a good nurse or a good spirited person, that uh, the staff wouldn't really let you implement you know some of these more humane and uh compassionate type things so that just led to a, a huge culture of even patients had been released and turned into supervisors there so they had people right. who were once patients of the mental institution you know in charge of other people and i think uh maybe you can tell us you might know some of the sections of this place that uh are maybe more haunted than others i don't know i can just assume but um from what I understand, this facility had different levels of, uh, of of care. And the lower mental capacity you were sort of ended up, I think it was Ward 44, 33, 34, some of those, uh -huh. where people actually committed suicide inside those cells or rooms uh, there. Someone burned themselves alive. Uh, someone hung themselves yeah. there. Um, and then also just uh, horrendous treatment from the staff. But um, the, the, the facility now, which I think people will be surprised to know, for over a decade now, I believe, is, has been uh, a school, a state school, UC uh, Channel Islands. Um, but from what I understand, the section that was really bad has never become part of the school in the South Quad, that those rooms haven't been remodeled and turned into classes or anything. 
so maybe uh, you could walk us through what you know of where the hauntings are inside Camarillo and uh, your firsthand experience filming there. Well, um, a lot of the a lot of the former uh, patient rooms and things are turned into to dormitories for the for the students. And there's been some buildings that have been torn down, but a lot of them have been repurposed. So virtually the same buildings that held patients now hold students there. Wow. And students, ha- students have, I, I didn't interview any of the students for my, for Hotel Camarillo, but there's uh, many students have, have talked about sounds and, and voices they've heard. And, and if you go, you go tonight or, or a weekday to uh Cal State Channel Islands and go there at eight o'clock or nine o'clock at night when it's dark. And usually a, a university will have activity. This university is it's like a ghost town. No one wants to walk around that, that uh, facility at night. <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's just abandoned. Wow. Everybody stays in their dorms basically. Wow. That's and, crazy. Um, Wayne, we're going to take yeah, a break. I, real, we're going to take a break real quick. We're at the 15 minute mark and we'll be right back to hear more about uh, that facility and, and what you experienced there. Spirits and more radio. We're with Wayne Poe talking about Camarillo State Mental Institution. Spirits and more radio. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You're back with Spirits and More Radio, and um, we're talking about Hotel Camarillo, uh, the film that uh, Wayne Poe produced on the UC Channel Islands campus, which was once um, a mental institution, uh, the largest in California, and and I understand largest west of the Mississippi uh, in the United States, uh, which housed over 7,000 inmates at one time, so... Uh, Wayne, so you were telling us that the campus is just dead at night, that it is not a place where people enjoy kind of hanging and socializing. Yeah, of course, I haven't been there, ever, you know, every single night, but all, all the times that I, that I have been, and I, I filmed uh, Hotel Camarillo over the course of two years. Once you go there at night, it's it's pretty dead. I mean, there's some, there's some people in the library, but walking around the campus, um, some of the some of the students that I've talked to say they they won't walk alone. They'll take a partner with them and walk if they have to go across the campus for something. Yeah. Well, just reading the history of the place. I mean, if I were listening to this show and I had no idea, I can't imagine that people don't know the history of that place when they apply to go to school there. Uh, and if you don't, you probably find out really quickly once you settle in. I would imagine. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they they filmed movies there. They've filmed movies there uh, for for a number of years, uh, including I, I think The Ring or The Ring Two had a scene filmed there on the 
on the outside of the uh, facility. I see. So what did you, what inspired you or what drew you to Camarillo yourself to do this film? Well, I did a, I did one, my first uh, paranormal documentary uh, in 2011, Night Stalkers. And um, every, everybody, all the, the paranormal investigators that I talked to, they all mentioned Camarillo. And of, and of course I was taken to Camarillo several times during that documentary. And they were just telling me it's the, most active location on the West coast. You, you, you can get EVP easily get uh, like 10, 10 class A EVPs walking up, just walking in some of the buildings and everybody was so fascinated with it. Was, I thought, well, you know, why not do a whole documentary just on this place? Cause everybody's, I mean, they'll, they'll talk about different locations around the world and, and different locations, even in uh, the United States and California, but they'll all just, just like it's a, it's almost like a secret uh, society. They'll, they'll they'll be whispering about Camarillo, and you you got to go to Camarillo, but don't tell anybody because they'll they'll you know they'll shut you down if they find out you're investing. Basically, it, it was basically it would be trespassing if you go into some of the abandoned buildings. But right. uh, that didn't stop any of the investigators, and and uh, Cal- just about every single investigator in California has been to Camarillo, whether they'll admit it or not. I see. And is there, um, when you get to Camrio, it's been a school for, for 10 years and, and I've been on some campuses in my time and, uh, every UC school and state school and private school typically has a, their own police force on staff and, uh, you know, radios and cameras around campus and, you know, the call boxes if you're in trouble. So I would imagine, uh, being present on that campus is, is not easy to do without looking out of place. Well, um, usually the, the campus police won't bother you if you're not, you know, as long as you're not doing anything, uh, for instance, like, you know, uh, vandalizing or anything like that. No, no paranormal investigators go there to vandalize or break in. Um, Basically, it just, it, if if uh, you find an open door, you walk in. Like many of the students have, you know. Uh, but um, we we even spoke to some of the um, campus police. Uh, they're they're even afraid to go into the abandoned buildings. If if uh, some of them, not all of them, but some of them, uh, were, would tell us that uh, if they knew someone was in the buildings, they would just announce, "We're we're going to send the dogs in," but they'll they'll never go in themselves. Oh, so they were, they've heard enough, I'm sure. What, what Are there any sp- specific stories that uh, some of those uh, staff have revealed, maybe that you've interviewed or talked to? Uh, I tried to interview staff, and a couple of them would come up, were going to uh, be featured on Hotel Camarillo, but they, they uh, declined uh, at the last minute. Uh, it's the kind of it's kind of a weird thing with staff. A, a lot of them will come up to me and say, "I worked there for over ten years. I worked the night shift. There's no such thing as ghosts there. I never saw a thing, and there, and there were no abuses there whatsoever." So, uh, and a lot of them, a lot of them tell you that. But I've I've sold DVDs of Hotel Camarillo at some uh, horror conventions, and some people that used to work there. What, their eyes would just bug out, and they they see the the DVD, and they they look at it, and then they told me they used to work there, and I said, "Have you did you see anything when you were there?" And their, their eyes would just go wide and just nod. They won't say anything to me, but they'll just nod yes. Wow. 
Yeah. And I, I would imagine that, um, you know, I, I watched, anyone can watch this. If you go search up Camarillo state hospital, uh, you're going to find on YouTube, the, the going away video, which is sort of, uh, we're closing down. We don't want to close down. We've done great things for psychiatry. We've had double blind tests here with these physicians and Camarillo was a great place. And, you know, we had our moments, uh, you know, they, they sort of allude to some of the things that happened in the seventies and, and earlier, and, uh, they gloss over that, but they did, it seemed to me that they did make a point to have three or four people who had been there from the fifties and sixties, you know, attest to the quality of the, of the institution. So I wouldn't expect, uh, you know, that public PR face to reveal anything other than what it, what it did. Uh, in those videos, right. yeah. but, but, um, you know, there's no denying what, uh, you know, the, the accounts from other people had there. So I'm just curious, um, like we were talking about, there was this area and it's been a couple of years since, or a few years since you've been there, but, um, do you know if the South ward, uh, is still left untouched and locked up, which is where the, the really heinous, uh, atrocities happened there? Oh, I, I have not been there. There's, there's some buildings that are still uh, under construction or renovation, but yeah, but there's, there's a lot of, abandoned. I mean, yeah, the facilities over 1700 acres and there's still a lot of abandoned buildings. Um, so the, the, most, so the most school, active, I was going to say the school, the school that's there now doesn't occupy the whole thing that used to exist. No. Okay. So no. like what percentage is it like 25%, 50%? Oh, uh, I would say maybe, maybe, uh, 50, 60%, probably okay. more, but there's, there's still, there's still a great many buildings that haven't been touched on the North and, uh, South campuses. I see. They're still, they're still completely abandoned. And so when you went there, did you, um, have some sort of, was this a guerrilla film type thing or was this permitted? technically or with the blessing of the groundskeepers or all underground? Uh, underground. <laughs> I tried to get permission early on and uh, I talked to the media, media contact there and she said under no circumstances do we want anything to, to do with anything paranormal or anything with ghosts in it or anything like that. Uh, they said they don't care what's been already been filmed or what's on YouTube. They just don't want anything to do with it. And, uh, you know, it's considered trespassing to go into the buildings. So I did find a, uh, one investigator who's been going there for over 10 years and filmed a lot of his stuff. So we, we basically used a lot of old footage of, you know, for over 10 years ago, buildings that aren't even there anymore. Uh, with a, with a couple of follow-ups that, are, that, is, uh, that was new footage. Uh, that's that's basically how we put the, the it together along with interviews. Uh, I see. So that's interesting. I mean, you don't really gather that from when you watch the film. I've seen the film, and uh, it's uh, so that's a lot of footage from places that that don't even exist anymore on campus. No, you know, for instance, the most active location was Unit Forty Four, where everybody was talking about very active, sometimes very negative uh, experiences there. The building itself. The, uh, the the building itself is still there, but it's been gutted and put made into new classrooms and things like that. 
so that, that, that was, I don't know, maybe around 2011 or 12, uh, when that building got finally got repurposed. Yeah. I'm having a hard time getting over the creepy factor of this thing. I really am. If you think about it, I mean, I can't imagine sitting in a classroom and you're learning some chemistry or whatever. And, you know, if you know that that building, you know, that people were just, you know, roaming around crazy in there and, and the feces on the walls and stuff like that. It's like, it's hard to, it's hard for me to get over the history. You think they would just knock the buildings down to the ground and, and start over, you know, to share the same walls that other people were tormented in is, is hard to, it's hard to grasp. Yeah. I'd I'd be, I'd be kind of uh, nervous being in any of those classrooms. I was was kind of nervous as filming in there. I mean, I, uh, cause I, I started out as a complete skeptic when I did my first documentary and you just can't, when things start happening and you hear things and you just think you, you just got to be honest with yourself and say, okay, this stuff is, this stuff is actually happening and it's real. You know, we're capturing it on audio. I haven't really caught anything major, uh, on visually, but, uh, the, all the audio stuff is, uh, you can't deny it that it's happening. Huh? Wow. So, um, and I, 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 I do recall uh, some of the stuff, because those are in your film, right? If people watch Hotel Camarillo, they get to hear what you've recorded and captured. Yes. So you were a skeptic. When you went to Unit 44, um, you've, you've actually been in that building when, before it was repurposed? Yes. And what was, yeah, the, I mean, what was uh, the feeling in there? Um, Did you go in there with a camera? I mean, what was happening? Yeah, I went in with a camera. I was, I was following the uh, mostly the investigators for the first documentary for Unit 44. By the time I started Hotel Camarillo, uh, Unit 44, that building was already been repurposed or being in in a actually at the end of Night Stalkers, and you can see them uh, doing construction on that building and repurposing it. But uh, when I was in there, I mean, I I don't really I'm not a sensitive person for anything like that. I don't really feel anything. Most of the time, uh, but yeah, I, I can hear, I can hear some weird sounds happening. Uh, we capture EDP on our, our recorders when you get home. You, I mean, I, I know for certain no one was talking at that point, And then there's sometimes a, almost a whole sentence you can capture. Wow. And that happens in all, really all the buildings there. Yeah, I know that you had interviewed somebody, and you said that uh, he had uh, he felt that that was one of the most uh, active places that you you want to go feel or feel or see ghost activity. That there's uh, no better place than Camarillo. We're talking to Wayne Poe right now about uh, Camarillo State Mental Health Institution, uh, which uh, is considered the holy grail of haunted places. So we'll be right back after this. This is John Cassier, the voice of the Crypt Keeper, and you're listening to Spirits and More Radio. <laughs> hey, if you're like me, when you first went to get a fog machine, you had no idea which one to get. I mean, you can get one for 30 bucks all the way up to a couple hundred bucks. Well, listen, HalloweenPartyDeals.com takes the guesswork out of which fog machine is going to be best for you. Go on there, check out what they have to say about them. They'll help you get exactly what you need. All right, that's HalloweenPartyDeals.com. HalloweenPartyDeals.com. Whoa! So, 
This is Radio Land, huh? The infinite turtle, the, the waves through the ether fuzz roll on forever. Roar! You're my fave. <laughs> Me and Bubba, my little brother, we listen to you every night. Hey there, listeners. This is Steve Rowan, your host. I hope you're enjoying this show. And if you are, I'd like to ask you to help us expand our audience by giving us a review in your podcast app. I would really appreciate it if you did that. And for doing so, I want to do something special for you. I want to offer you a free bonus hour of any one of our previous shows. So if you like the Alien show and you want to hear the second hour or the Disneyland show or the Ouija board show, just take a screenshot of your review and email that to me at editor at spiritsandmoreradio.com and I will email you right back with a link to the second hour of any show you'd like. Thank you for listening and please share us on your Facebook and retweet us. Now back to the show. To Spirits and More Radio, we're talking about uh, Camarillo State Mental Health Hospital and the hauntings that take place there with filmmaker Wayne Poe, who did Hotel Camarillo. Wayne, uh, there's some rumors about that song, Hotel California and, and Camarillo. Do you know about those? Yeah, a lot of uh, people say that the Eagles, uh, at least one member, uh, stayed at a hotel, I mean, at Camarillo State Hospital for drug rehab. But the Eagles um, 
flatly deny that, and the song is about, uh, I'm not sure what they're saying. That's about um, uh, Cal- this life in California and the um, drugs and everything else, but not about Camarillo State Hospital. But uh, that rumor has persisted for a long time, though. Yeah. How did you come up with the name for your film? Just off of that rumor, uh, Hotel California, as I called it, Hotel Camarillo, because all of the all of the uh, the paranormal investigators I know, uh, they play that song going when they're that night going to investigate, or that song would come on the radio as they're driving up there or, or leaving. So a lot, uh, there's a lot of significance for that song for some reason. I see. I noticed it mentioned the bell tower, the bell toll. And uh, Camarillo has a bell tower, is that right, in the south entrance? Yes, and it also has a winding road uh, leading up to the uh, facility. I see. Long winding road. <laughs> yeah. Has anyone caught any uh, actual apparitions there? I haven't seen any pictures that, like, you know, as I said, as, as a skeptic, I look at things really critically. And I, I discount orbs and you know, basically those are dust particles or bugs. I, I haven't really seen any full body apparition pictures or anything that can't be explained by a slow shutter camera or, or something like that. I mean, when I, when I started early on, I thought I was catching all kinds of ghosts. But, you know, I, I talked to people, you know, photography and critically, you know, that's all this is, is your, your camera is on the slow shutter and you move, you move your hand slightly moved as the camera took a picture that's why you got this weird weird lightning effect with a light it's not that's nothing paranormal whatsoever i haven't i personally haven't really seen anything visually uh from uh camarillo state hospital that i can call paranormal i see but there are tons of the audible stuff and i was wondering when you go in there and you record um it seems like you know people i know some people will turn a digital recorder on or tape recorder and ask questions and things like that, and others will just let it roll. But um, is anyone doing anything where you sort of have like a, a timestamp? I'd imagine this thing like a, a clicking or a timestamp to know that, you know, okay, there's no audio. There was nobody in the room at this time, you know. Uh, that would be interesting to me uh, if there was some sort of uh, way that you could know, okay, this recorder was left by itself and nobody was around it, you know. Yeah, we've uh, we've actually done that. We we left the recorder in uh, in one unit and then went on to another unit, uh, another part of the campus to investigate, and later would come back for it. And I've heard a couple things, uh, a couple of couple of faraway voices that weren't you know weren't from outside or anything like that. It was like this was like sometimes at two in the morning we would go. And uh, you'd, you'd hear voices like right up against the recorder, and we just left it in a completely empty unit. And so, how and, uh, just, I was going to say, how did sorry? you? What did you? Um, did you? La- you have like multiple recorders, and you label them A, B, C, D, or something, and then maybe like have a log. Okay, A was in this building from this time to this time. Is that how you do that? Some of us kept notes like that. Others, we would just when we start the recorder. Okay, we're in. Say, for instance, we're in Unit 44 in one of the shower rooms, and I'm laying the recorder in the, in the middle of the bench. You know, we'll, we'll say, I'll usually we'll say something like that just to mark what, what location it's in and where, what day it is. We 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 said the date and time. You know. Yeah. 
And what, are, what is the, I mean, when you hear these, when you, as you were doing this Camarillo project and you're listening to that tape and you hear something was, was it spine chilling? Was it really creepy to, to hear that knowing that no one else was there? Oh yeah. Cause I mean, you can hear, you can, I mean, these recorders are, are really sensitive. Some of the ones I use, I use that. My, one of my most sensitive ones is a Tascam, uh, DR05. You can hear people like, you know, um, cough or even move, even if, even movements that sound like, um, if you're wearing like a nylon windbreaker and you move your hand, your arm against your body, that'll sound like something you know, that was that a voice. Could that be a voice? But you look, you listen very carefully and it's not, but when you hear an actual word or like three words or a whole sentence that, you know, no one else there said, cause you're right, you're right there. Uh, or even if, even if you leave the recorder by itself, you know, you, you just, you just, it just really, it does creep you out. You know, what, what, what is that? You know, how, how could that possibly be happening? You know, but it does, it, it does happen. Well, the other thing too, is that, um, how, how can it be happening if, if we're standing there, you know, the physics of sound is that, uh, you know, uh, sound waves are pressure and they're generated by, um, you know, our vocal cords, uh, that come out of our mouth or an instrument or a drum or something like that, those waves go, they hit the surface of a microphone, which is essentially the same as a speaker that's really small and very sensitive. Mm-hmm. And it makes that diaphragm move and that generates an electrical signal that's then recorded. Um, so you're right. You got to wonder how can you and I stand in a room together and not hear it, but how can the tape recorder hear it? How can the microphone, which works in the same way that our eardrum works, pick up something that we can't? Right. I, I've even, I mean, I'm not a scientist whatsoever, but I even tried experiments with, uh, I bought a dog whistle and, and, and tried to see if my recorder could hear it, and it didn't. And then I tried to see what dogs' hearings are and where humans' hearing is, and I'm not sure how that happens. I mean, it's not... It's not magical. If a sound is generated or made, it it can it can be recorded. You know, it's not, just this is nothing. You know, like ooh, you know, spooky like that. It actually has to happen. And uh, the funny thing is, on EVP, some when you're some of these old hallways and stuff, your voice echoes. The regular voice echoes. Some of these EVPs, they don't echo. It's just a it's just a a voice by itself. But uh, the even, the even creepier thing is, is when you hear disembodied voices, that's, that's voices you can hear without a recorder, you know, here in the middle of a room. Like, uh, we, we caught one live while we were filming, uh, somebody said, yes, like that as a female voice. And we all turn around. So who the hell was that? You know? Yeah. And, uh, once, once you, uh, once you run back to record, we caught that on four different recorders. And, uh, once you run it back, the voice has an echo, like it was there in the hallway with us. So disembodied voices have the same same sound properties as as your voice that you can regularly hear, but EVPs typically typically don't. Huh. So that voice that you heard and caught on four recorders, there was also video footage simultaneous at that time recorded. Yes, so I caught it on my camera's recorder. I had a I had a sound recorder. The other two investigators with me had sound recorders, and then we all captured it. All simultaneous. I was walking, they were they were in, yeah they were walking down a hallway, and I was. I mean, I'm sorry. They were in. They were in one of the rooms, and I was walking down the hallway just to catch, like what what you say, B-roll footage of different rooms and stuff like that, because nothing was happening. And then we heard that. I heard the voice, and I turned around. And I know there was no. 
there were there were female investigators with us, and they were in a completely different unit. And I turned around and said, who was that? And then I saw the other two investigators come out of the room and said, who was that? You know, and we were all, we're all looking around wondering where that voice came from. Yeah. And is that in your film? Can people see that in Hotel Camarillo? Yeah, that's in the film. Right. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty incredible thing to have. Um, I, I, there's one EVP that, uh, my sister captured. I've talked about it on other shows, but, uh, it's on the YouTube channel and she's technically incapable of editing and putting a voiceover, uh, over her, her video that came off her iPhone, but it happened in the middle of the day when she was at a swimming pool with her daughter and her daughter had just started to, uh, jump into the pool, which for, for parents, that's a, a milestone when your kid is brave enough to jump into the pool. So she was recording that moment on her iPhone four. And when she went to play it back right after she recorded it, there's this woman laughing and a man groaning and she was at the pool alone and, uh, there was nobody around and this, uh, sound almost sounds like it would be a special effect from a studio. You know, if you listen to it, you're going to say, Oh, that's a Halloween, you know, recording or, you know, the way that it was so, uh, sinister in tone. But, uh, I actually took her file footage and I, I ran it through, um, an app, which looks at the metadata and the original file she sends and has this, you can see the metadata is, actually has the GPS turned on, exactly shows up at the pool where she was, and it proves that it was uh -huh. unedited. And I know she's not capable of editing it either. And uh, yeah. anyway, so I put a reward out there. I said, if you can find this, <laughs> if you can find this sound on a Halloween special effects soundtrack, I'll give you $50,000 because I know it doesn't exist. So, uh, yeah, yeah it was very, but it was creepy. It was interesting. It was creepy. It was in the middle of the day and it's, it's hard to, you know, I'm like you, Wayne, I'm a, a skeptic at heart and I've seen some things that have changed my mind about, uh, reality. And, um, it's still hard for me to accept it. To be honest, I still want to, uh, say, well, there would be more proof or there would be somehow somebody would know something by now with science, but uh, it's just, you know, over and over and over again, people experience things that uh, are simply unexplainable. So uh, it sounds like your EVP is one of those. Oh, right. And that, that was also captured during the, the disembodied voice. That was during the day. Uh, we, were, we were doing interviews outside uh, some of the buildings uh, for Hotel Camarillo. And uh, so we saw some of the workers leaving for lunch and asked if we can go. Can we go in for a couple of minutes? They said, sure. And we walked in. That's when we captured uh, that disembodied voice. There was no one else in the entire unit. Yeah. And uh, you know, uh, you uh, usually almost everybody knows somebody that has some kind of weird, weird ghostly experience. For instance, I had a friend of mine. We, all, I mean, we used to all, we used to always joke about things, and and uh, none of us believed in ghosts or anything like that until we started working at a a uh, VFW bar has been there since the thirties and he started telling me ghost stories and out and we, uh, we would basically laugh in his face and, and, uh, make fun of him. And he, he was, he wasn't too happy about that, but you, you gotta, but you, this was before I got into the paranormal, but you basically have to think to yourself, you, you've known a person for many years and you, you, uh, 
you believe them on all every other aspect of their life, and this one thing they're trying to tell you, you say, "Oh, that's 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 a load of crap." You know, why, right? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you believe them on on that too? You know. Well, not and only when, and when, until it happens. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, yeah, and what I was gonna back you up on that and basically say that you know uh, the other thing too is that um, you know any self-respecting person isn't gonna you know who's been you know, a good friend and honest and, you know, truthful and all that isn't going to just one day go harebrain on you. You know, you have to put some authenticity into their words that, you know, you know them to be someone who isn't easily fooled, who thinks, you know, logically about stuff. And so if they've been moved to the point that they're willing to share with you that uh, something really weird happened to them. Yeah, I agree with you. It's it's one of those things. Sometimes people don't hold the same standard. We'll be right back. We're talking with Wayne Poe, and we're, we're discussing Camarillo, his film Hotel Camarillo, and uh, the psych ward. You are listening to Spirits and More Radio. Have a paranormal story. Tell us at spooksandspirits.com. Listening to Spirits and More Radio, Steve Rowan, your host here. Uh, this is the Psych Ward Show, and it started out really grim and creepy, and uh, it continues to be so. Uh, Wayne, is there? Um, has anyone spent the night there? Did you spend the night inside Camarillo? Uh, no, I, I never. I've never spent the night. We spent a few hours there, and I'm I'm pretty certain. I mean, I've heard a couple of stories. I'm pretty certain people have spent the night and done other things that aren't really of a paranormal nature there. But yeah, some people have spent the night there and just some specific just to, uh, just to investigate, but I haven't personally. No, I see. What was, uh, in your filming, what was the scariest thing that happened at Camarillo? Uh, the scariest thing is, is, uh, and the most frustrating thing happened at the same time. We had a very active night. Uh, one night of investigating, I had several people with me, and uh, a door slammed uh, down the hallway. We were the only ones in that unit. We we knew that because we looked all around before we sat down for an EVP session, and the door just like slammed really loud, just echoed off the walls like a cannon, you know. And uh, that was the first thing that happened that night. Then the next thing is we we were in another unit for another EVP session. And a girl told us she just saw somebody walk by the window. And, and I asked her which window. And she pointed and someone told her, we're on the second floor. That's impossible. You saw anybody walk by. You know, and then right after that, I had my camera on for over an hour or, or, or more. And uh, I turned it off. And right after I turned it off, one of the, um, one of the investigators walked out of the door where we were and saw a football apparition and he screamed. And I missed it. <laughs> I didn't uh, have my camera. We have it on. We have it on audio, but uh, I I didn't have it on my camera. And he just said, "I saw I saw a person standing there with red hair and and looks like a white uh, white clothes an intern would wear." And he was staring right at me like you know evil, looking at me. And 
that was that was the strangest thing because that just went, came out of nowhere. He screamed, and then all everybody else in the well, most of the, the females screamed, and we're jumping up to what what's going on with you know what's happening. And we thought at first we thought it was like maybe uh, maybe a homeless person, maybe somebody else in the building. So we searched the rest of the building, and the straight kind of kind of the weirdest thing is we left the, the girls that were with us that were scared, the investigators, female investigators. We left them all alone because we we searched the rest of the building, but we should we should have left at least one of us there, but we didn't. <laughs> but yeah, we searched we searched we searched the whole building. I mean, and for instance, uh, there was there was glass. There's not there's not a whole lot of destruction, thankfully, at, at some of the abandoned buildings. But there was glass on the floor and everything. If someone was running away, we would have heard it. And yeah. we we searched the rest of the building. We didn't find anybody there. So the lady with the red hair was never seen again that night. That was a, it was a male intern. Oh, male. Uh, with red hair. Uh, that's what, that's what the investigator told me. And, uh, he said he saw the, he showed me exact, uh, position where he saw them, saw that person. And I took him to that very same spot. And I said, okay, look, man, I'm standing like, uh, less than a foot in front of you. And I can't even see your face. That's how dark it is in here. So how did, how did you see them? And he said, I don't know. I just, I saw him. He wasn't. He wasn't uh, transparent or anything like that. He was just standing there looking at me. So and, there, he, and he was at least he was at least twelve feet away. So the, this particular person that that the investigators saw was not transparent. It looked like a real person standing in this dark hallway. Yeah, and, and as a matter of fact, when people tell me about ghosts, I've ne- I never hear any stories about like you see in the movies where they're transparent or have a glow around them or anything like that. It just looks like a real person. Yeah. Well, I've spent some time in abandoned buildings in the daytime and night, not many, but enough to know that, you know, one of the scariest things is being in a place by yourself and not knowing if you're the only one in the building, but you're right. Right. When you're in a place like that, uh, the echo of movement is hard to escape. So, you know, if you are in a building, uh, you pretty much are alone. Uh, It would be hard for someone to to sneak up on you unless they were maybe wearing socks or something and walking very carefully. But, uh, yeah, that I, I would, uh, did anyone stay the rest of the night? I mean, when stuff like that happens, I mean, that probably in increases your, uh, anxiety of, you know, um, someone saw this thing. Am I going to see this thing? I mean, Wayne, do you want to yeah. see that or you, you know, do you question whether or not you really want to see something like that? Oh, I absolutely want to see something like that. So like, like I said, when I started, I was a skeptic, but I, I told myself, I'm going to open my mind completely to all this. Everybody's telling me this is real. So I'm going to not say, Oh, this is crap. This is BS. I'm going to open my mind completely. I want to feel something. If something wants to scratch me or touch me or, or manifest in front of me, I want to see it, you know? And, uh, and so, sometimes early on, the, some of the investigators are frustrated with me that, they were telling me, did you hear that? Or did you see that? Or did you feel that? And I said, well, I got to be honest. No. And they get frustrated. You know, I said, I would, I would love to join a crowd. Say, hey, I saw it too. You know, but no, yeah. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to absolutely positively say I saw something. Right. You know, I mean, I've, I, 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 I do to this day. That's why I keep going and doing it. I want to, I want to be there when there's a breakthrough, you know? Yeah. If that ever happens. Well, and and I think we've discussed this lots of times on this show. I mean, there's uh, the mind wants to see things too, you know. I mean, 
you, it's been well documented that you can put people in a completely dark room and their eyes are searching for light because that's not a normal uh, disposition to be in. And same with sound. I mean, I've been up in the mountains before where it's so quiet, not a bird, not a tree, nothing by myself, nobody for miles around me. And it's like you're inside of a vacuum and it's almost... Uh, it's almost scary in its own way. It's almost anxiety provoking to not hear sound because we're, you know, sound is all around us all the time. So, um, is there, uh, so you went, uh, the, when you were making hotel Camarillo, did you go on your own specific for the film or it sounds like you went with a, a herd of investigators? Yeah. Well, I, I guess I the first, the first documentary I went to, I, I went to Camarillo several times with them. And then uh, when I started making specifically Hotel Camarillo for that location, I went with others also just, just to back up some of the, old, the older footage from years ago. I, w I went a few more times and uh, just to see what would happen. That's, we did have things happen to us, like just like I was talking to about earlier. Yeah. Is there, um, so, so, so far, I mean, in the filming, you've got a voice that was captured on four different recorders at once you've got lots of other evps on recorders where nobody was in the room uh somebody saw an actual spirit or the soul of somebody uh that disappeared without any uh sound as if they had run away or hid in the building and uh and then also you've got uh someone you said one of the girls saw somebody walk by outside the window but on the second story so that was on the outside. Yeah, she, she just said it. She just said it casually. I just saw somebody walk by the. Door. And she was being kind of quiet because we weren't supposed to be there. I just saw somebody walk by the, the window, and then I asked her. Yeah, yeah, that's a, we're on the second floor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, um, tell us real quick about uh, the setup. I mean, technology-wise. I mean, do you use any motion detectors when you go do this, or? Uh, I'm a real techie guy, so I, I, I suppose I need to get out there with some of you guys one of these days and, and bring my stuff, which is, uh, you know, I want to know, you know, if motion detectors are going off at the same time as recorders and video and light and stuff like that. Is it pretty not sophisticated? I mean, is it recorders and video for the most part? Yeah, I mean, there's several places where you can buy a lot of high-tech ghost equipment, you know, things like that, like what's called REM pods and all this other stuff. But a lot of the investigators I've been with, I mean, they were, they were around way before the ghost shows came on. And uh, basically it's the stuff you cobble together. For instance, I have a, I have a motion light. It's a, it's a security light you can buy at, uh, at Harbor Freight Tools or something like that, where it's an infrared thing. If you walk by it, uh, a security light will come on. And those are those are uh, portable. I bring a couple of those and set them up in, the, in hallways and things like that. And just basically digital recorders. And I also I keep a camera with me all the time, uh, infrared camera. And and uh, I haven't captured anything there, you know, visually. But um, it's good for documentary purposes. But not I, I haven't seen I haven't seen anything compelling to me on on any uh, any of the ghost shows or anything like that that's caught on camera, unless it's something moving or, you know, like a chair or something. But, um, it's, it's really, it's really not that super sophisticated. You can, you, today you can spend thousands of dollars on specific ghost hunting equipment and apps and things like that. But 
the old school uh, paranormal investigators I go to, I, I've been with, uh, it's not really, not really that complicated. I see. All right. Well, we were talking about Hotel uh, Camarillo, the film. You can see that uh, on Amazon Prime Video and maybe on YouTube as well. Wayne, is that on YouTube? It's it's not coming down on YouTube, no. Okay. So you can see it there on uh, Amazon Prime and uh, and you can check that out. I, I'm excited. I want to go back and watch it again after this. We're not done yet. I want to talk to Wayne about uh, some of the scariest, one of the scariest stories he's ever heard. Uh, not necessarily witnessed, but uh, a scary story from uh, someone uh, that he's been uh, run across in his uh, quest for uh, determining if there's life on the other side. Um, but there's no doubt that Camarillo uh, has the history to um, back up uh, intensive haunt activities and paranormal activity there. So we'll be right back after this song. fascinating interview does continue for our full access overtime members to get full access simply go to our website at spiritsandmoreradio.com under the full access section you'll see an orange patreon button click on that to find out more and hear the rest of the show you can also join our live broadcast alert list. We email the day of the show when we are going to broadcast live so you can tune in and hear the full show and also have the opportunity to call in. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.